This podcast represents the opinions of myself, Chloe Finley, and my guests to the show. By listening to the show, you acknowledge that I am not a licensed psychologist, nor am I a mental health professional. The content of this podcast is purely for informational and entertainment purposes. The show's purpose is intended to shed light on new and developing ideas in the psychology world, as well as a look into my own experiences and those of my guests. This show is not a substitute for professional psychiatric or medical advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health issues, there are resources that can help. These resources will be linked in the podcast description below. Hi everyone, welcome back. This is episode one of Connecting the Dots. I am your host, Chloe Finley. Today's episode topic is what is childhood trauma? I just want to start off first by saying if my mouth sounds weird at all, I just got my wisdom teeth out about six days ago, so I'm still in a little bit of pain and my mouth probably sounds a little bit weird, but in case you're wondering. So this episode is going to be one of the most important episodes of my series, in my opinion, as it's going to be a core topic that everything else builds off of. It's really important that people understand what exactly childhood trauma is to really understand everything I'm talking about and whether, you know, it can apply to you. So we're going to really go over what can be considered childhood trauma today, as I think there's a lot of common misconceptions about what it really is, even among our mental health professionals and definitely in the medical field. So even therapists and a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists really don't have a good grasp on what childhood trauma is. Luckily, there's some really good resources out there and some pioneers in the childhood trauma psychology world that are really trying to redefine what it means so that people understand. Childhood trauma is what is called a silent epidemic by some psychologists today. Childhood trauma is basically everywhere and in my opinion, I believe everyone has some form of childhood trauma. I actually believe as a society, we have just a whole level of unresolved trauma you know, on personal levels in our families and on a societal level. It really is sadly part of the human experience. And if you were to take a big sample of people and ask them, do you have childhood trauma? An astounding number of them would actually say no, even though a vast majority of those people saying no, in fact, do have some form of trauma. This can be explained by a complete misunderstanding of what trauma really is. So, Like I said earlier, this is what we're going to be talking about. What exactly is childhood trauma? Trauma has definitely become a little bit of a buzzword lately, and people tend to view it as some huge or intensely disturbing event. And granted, it absolutely can be a huge or disturbing event, but that is not always the case. When you Google the definition of the word trauma, it's defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience, which is, again, absolutely true. A lot of traumas are big, scary things that happen, but I'm going to talk about a little bit more of the more complex side of it. I believe that for the most part, majority of people have some basic idea of what childhood trauma means or would encompass. And I think the most common consensus that we can all come to when discussing childhood trauma is that it would involve physical abuse. So I think if you were to ask majority of people what they think childhood trauma is, a lot of the answers to the question that I see are getting physically assaulted as a child. So if you were hit or abused, you know, physically, that is usually what people think of when you say childhood trauma. This seems to be the most mainstream and accepted form of what childhood trauma is. And it's a really detrimental idea that I see a lot. I'm on TikTok a lot. And a lot of the comments I see are, 
well, you weren't beat, so you don't have trauma, which is really just not correct. I think we can all agree how hitting a child is definitely a form of childhood trauma and abuse, but it goes a lot farther and deeper than that. And even some people I've seen don't even see physical abuse as a trauma. They think that's discipline, which again, you know, that's just not correct. So the truth is, childhood trauma is far more complex, subtle, and even less severe in many circumstances. Of course, physical abuse is going to be childhood trauma. Physical abuse of a child would be considered an overt trauma, as in very obvious, you can see it a lot more than some of the other forms. It's really important that we kind of integrate this new and, in my opinion, correct definition of childhood trauma, which of course might be extended or worked on in the future, but as of now, I find this one to be really great. So Bessel van der Kolk, MD, who I've mentioned in the past, is the medical director of the Trauma Center in Boston. He's a professor of psychiatry at Boston University Medical School, and he's the co-director of the National Center for Child Traumatic Stress Complex Trauma Network. That is a mouthful. He also wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which I will reference a lot throughout Connecting the Dots. And again, I just completely recommend this book for anyone. Bessel van der Kolk says that trauma is specifically an event that overwhelms the central nervous system, altering the way we process and recall memories. And this is really an important definition as something that I will touch on later in another episode is that Childhood trauma affects your memory, and this is why a lot of people that have trauma, and if they don't know it, they have a hard time recalling a lot of their childhood or specific memories, which again, I will talk about a little bit later. So really understanding this new definition is imperative to getting a better and deeper understanding of what childhood trauma is. So to me, the key part in his definition is that trauma is any event that overwhelms the nervous system any event that overwhelms the nervous system. This is important to understand as now this can demonstrate that childhood trauma to some extent is subjective to each individual and their nervous system. Some children are gonna be a lot more sensitive and certain things are gonna be a lot more traumatic for them while others might not be traumatized as easily. It's important to note that. Of course, there's gonna be certain type of events that will likely always be traumatic to a child, no matter if they're more sensitive or not. Being physically abused, sexually abused, verbally abused, most likely is going to cause trauma whether or not their child is sensitive or not. Furthermore, Vander Kolk adds that trauma is the current imprint of the pain, horror, and fear living inside people. So trauma, in other words, is like the residual pain you feel later on from past events. So it's really kind of the pain you experience as an adult from an event that happened as a child. So a lot of the time people don't realize they have trauma because they assume they're just having all these issues as adults when a lot of the time it can be traced back to a childhood event, whether that be a one-time event or a chronic event. So now that we've set the clear definition of what trauma is, we could expand on this. So if trauma occurs when an event overwhelms the nervous system, it's much easier to see that childhood trauma must include a whole lot more than just physical abuse, like the very obvious overt events. Children who are developing have sensitive nervous systems, and they're particularly sensitive to environmental insults. Think about what overwhelms your nervous system as an adult. 
depending on the individual, it will be different things, but little things, even like heavy traffic, work stress, you know, something not going your way, that can overwhelm our nervous system, causing anxiety. And so think about a child and how easily they might be overwhelmed in their nervous system. So if we as adults can be overwhelmed pretty easily, then children can too. Now, imagine being a small child. Everything to you at that time was much bigger, scarier, and new. So overwhelming a child's nervous system, therefore, is not particularly difficult. Things to us that might not seem like a big deal are a big deal to a child. So any sort of trauma is going to therefore be very impactful on their nervous system and their mental health. In this episode, I'm going to be going over the many forms of childhood trauma that many of you might have experienced yourselves or you've witnessed other people experience and not realize maybe that this has played a role in your mental health or the issues that you face currently. Once again, trauma is any event that is overwhelming for your nervous system. Some events such as bullying, community violence, natural disasters, medical trauma, experiencing death in the family, and then physical, verbal, and sexual abuse are all forms of childhood trauma. The form of trauma that I will be elaborating the most on will be the most common form of childhood trauma. It's covert and it can be very difficult to see and it's also the most pervasive. It is also the least talked about form of trauma and that would be chronic emotional abuse and neglect. Vander Kolk's research has actually shown us that emotional abuse and neglect can actually be just as devastating if not more so than physical abuse and sexual molestation. Now, you might be wondering what exactly is considered emotional abuse or neglect. I'm going to give you some examples and I just want to mention just because I don't mention it doesn't mean it's not a form of trauma. I'm just trying to mention some ones that I have seen the most or read the most about or I've experienced myself. So emotional neglect involves caretakers who regularly ignored your needs as a child. Many adult parents aren't able to fill a child's emotional needs as they're still struggling with their own childhood trauma or simply they just don't know what that means to fulfill a child's emotional needs. They don't have the capabilities to do so or they don't want to do so. So let's go over what those needs might be. A child's emotional needs can kind of fall under five categories, which include feeling respected, feeling important, feeling accepted, feeling included, feeling secure, and feeling loved. The first one, feeling respected, this is done by talking to the child in a loving and civil way rather than a harsh or condescending manner. So if you were a child who was consistently belittled, yelled at, spoken to with sarcasm or contempt or even made fun of, your need for feeling respected was absolutely not fulfilled. This is very unfortunately common and I've I've seen it with family members, I've seen it with friends, I've seen it with a lot of people that the children in their family are not spoken to well. Children also need to feel that they are of value and they have some power. So if you think about getting into an elevator with a child and they're like, no, me, me, I want to press the elevator button. That's really them trying to have some power and feel some importance. So if you had parents that consistently held all the power, for example, if you had a very authoritarian parenting style or you experienced that, I mean, then that's very much the type where they're kind of in control of everything. The common term that you hear a lot is helicopter parenting, where they have a lot of high demands of you, but they have low responsiveness. They don't really give a lot of feedback, but rather criticism. 
if they attempted to control everything in your life and they never asked you for your own opinion or gave you a role, your need for feeling important was not fulfilled. This specifically is what builds self-esteem and self-importance in children, which is actually really vital to being a happy and healthy adult and really plays a role in your adult relationships. Feeling accepted is another very vital part to children's emotional needs. If you had parents that viewed you as a reflection of themselves, and this is very often seen in narcissistic parents, and if they tried to shape you into what they wanted, your right to have your own wants, feelings, opinions, and needs were actually violated. This is showing the child that they're not going to be accepted if they're being their authentic selves, and instead they have to perform or be something they're not just to satisfy the parent's emotional needs, which is actually its own separate thing called parentification, but I don't want to throw too much at you right now. We'll do that a little bit later on. Feeling included is also highly important for children. If you did not feel like you were part of your family or a community, your need to be included might have went unfulfilled. Being included is also really important because as humans, we're wired for connection, and being included can actually help us feel more connected with other human beings. A child's sense of security is also an essential part of their emotional needs, so children need to be secure in expressing their emotions, and in doing so, that they will gain support that they need from caregivers. So if you have these parents that are not really responding to when you express your emotions or on the other hand are actually putting you down or even you know getting angry with you if you're expressing your emotion you're not going to have that sense of security which is very vital to your emotional development as a child and can lead to childhood trauma so these are just some of the things that are needed for a child to feel as if he or she is getting emotionally supported and fulfilled and of course, the most important, a child needs to feel that you genuinely love them. If a child is repeatedly not getting their needs fulfilled, this is enough for their nervous system to be overwhelmed. This is where the lack of understanding of trauma kind of comes in. So you might have had very loving, supportive, healthy parents, but because of their own issues or shortcomings that they're dealing with, they were unable to provide you with what you needed emotionally, and therefore your nervous system became overwhelmed. And that exactly is what trauma encompasses. Your nervous system was overwhelmed, and therefore that's going to affect you later in life. This is kind of why I keep going over this definition, is just because trauma is something that overwhelms your nervous system. So if it's Something as simple as, you know, dad not interacting with you as much as you need or, you know, mom criticizing you for your emotions, that is absolutely a form of trauma. Another common misconception is that childhood trauma is only occurring when a parent is purposely abusing their child. The fact is, childhood trauma occurs even with the most loving, well-intentioned parents. Jonas Webb, who wrote Running on Empty, which is another great book I recommend, this is on childhood emotional neglect, she notes that it is entirely possible for a parent who loves and wants the best for their child to emotionally neglect him or her. The truth is, to love your child is a very different thing from being in tune with your child. For healthy development, loving a child just isn't enough. 
For a parent to be in tune with their child, they must be a person who is aware of and understands emotions in general. And that includes their own, my own little note. (laughs) The parent must be observant so that they can see what their child can and can't do as they develop. And the parent must be willing and able to put in the effort and energy required to truly know their child. A well-meaning parent who lacks in any one of these areas is at risk of emotionally failing their child. I think this is such an important quote because, again, this goes back to the misconception that only bad parents abuse their children. I think, actually, a good portion of abuse is resulting from parents that just don't have the capabilities to give the child what they need. And then, of course, there are the parents that are a little bit more malicious, unfortunately. The sad truth is that we live in a society that also doesn't really teach us about our emotions. If you really think about it, we're not being taught about emotions in school. We don't really learn about them from our friends. We're supposed to be learning this at home with our parents. Parents are the ones who are supposed to teach us about our emotions and kind of help us and guide us through them. If your parent themselves doesn't know how to manage or understand their own emotions, they definitely are not going to be able to recognize or help the child with theirs. So Pete Walker, he's a licensed psychotherapist with degrees in social work and counseling psychology, who also wrote one of my favorite books that I'm currently reading, I'm almost done with it, is Complex PTSD, Surviving to Thriving. He notes that the fact that emotional abuse and neglect can be traumatic is lost on so many childhood trauma victims. Many of them never learn to validate its crippling effects. They never accurately assign current time suffering to it. Attempts to acknowledge it are typically blindsided with thoughts that it was nothing compared to kids who were repeatedly beaten. So again, this is kind of touching on what I said earlier, and that's why I wanted to include it, is that a lot of time people see only physical abuse as the valid form of trauma, when it is so much more than that. And as I will talk about later in some other quotes, it can actually be even worse and have lasting effects. So as I said earlier, a good portion of the time, a parent is not purposely neglecting your needs to be malicious, but rather they don't really have the capabilities to give you what you need. And although these parents might have good intentions, researchers have actually found that a mother's emotional withdrawal or emotional neglect had the most profound and long-lasting impact on mental instability in their adult children. This was being compared to physical and sexual abuse. So I think this is really important to note that giving emotional neglect and abuse its due is so important for healing. If your emotional needs were chronically unmet, your mental health as an adult will suffer. And once again, this is trauma. I want to talk about some of the examples of emotional neglect that I see as fairly common and among people who I've talked to this about. A very common one I see among friends and family is having a parent or both parents that were emotionally unavailable. This is absolutely a childhood trauma. If you felt like your parents were consistently disconnected, this was a form of emotional neglect. And again, that doesn't mean that your parent didn't love you or have good intentions, but that also doesn't mean that it's not emotional neglect. Having a parent who is physically there but mentally checked out can be so much more distressing for a child than most people think. Parents who were workaholics or maybe brought their work home, as they call it, weren't able to fully connect with their child. And children can feel this. 
I often see people talking about how their parents were incapable of soothing or supporting them during times of crisis or of high emotion. And it can feel weird at first to kind of say, oh, that's neglect. But recognizing that it is neglect is actually very important because as children, parents are meant to soothe you in times of crisis. This is how they teach you how to soothe your own emotions once you're an adult. Another one that I see a lot is that many people did not receive affection as children. Affection, which can mean both physical or emotional, is very important. It lets them know that it's okay when they've made mistakes or that they have someone there for them when they're upset. Human babies literally need physical contact to survive. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's called failure to thrive. That's when babies aren't receiving enough skin-to-skin contact with a caregiver and their bodies are literally shutting down as they think they won't survive due to the, the lack of affection. Another common theme I see among people who have experienced emotional neglect is parents who just generally lack interest in who their children are and what they like. A parent who isn't actively involved in your life and trying to understand who you are and what you like is actually neglecting a very important emotional aspect of your life. And then lastly, another form of emotional abuse is if you were subjected to witnessing someone else being abused as a child. That is also emotional abuse. So if you were witnessing domestic violence among your parents or you were witnessing one of your parents abuse the other, that is a form of trauma as well. So now that we've discussed emotional needs going unmet, we can expand further into emotional abuse. So I just want to um, again say that emotional abuse and neglect are often very tied together in some form. Emotional abuse is much harder to see as an outsider. So unlike physical abuse, emotional abuse leaves wounds that are invisible and it's a lot harder for people on the outside to see if a child or if you were abused as a child emotionally. I do believe though there are ways to see how pervasive and ubiquitous child emotional neglect is and just looking today at the high levels of anxiety, depression, PTSD, and other mental health issues among adults is actually one of the indicators that we have an epidemic of childhood trauma. Speaking to your child with contempt and disdain is actually one of the most common forms of emotional abuse. Um, It's very normalized in our society, unfortunately, to speak to your child in a demeaning and cruel way. I was actually watching a TikTok yesterday, who I sent to a few friends. It really pissed me off, to be honest. But it was of a mom who was asking her daughter if the daughter liked her braids that the mom just got done for her. And the daughter said no and was kind of upset, you know, definitely seemed like she was a little bit mad. But after asking the daughter for her opinion, the mom went on to tell her, well, too bad, I have to wipe your ass and I don't like it, but I do it. And to me, the kind of most disturbing part of this TikTok was actually all the comments. Um, A lot of them found it really hilarious, which I thought was really interesting. And when some people commented saying things such as, this is emotionally abusive, this is not right, Many came back with comments that kids are just bratty, they need to be put in their place, and take a joke. And to me, this just showed again how sad and commonplace these beliefs and behavior really are. And asking a child for their opinion to then berate them for an answer is manipulative and wrong. And unfortunately, this happens a lot. 
and this teaches them that it's not safe to express their feelings without a negative consequence. Furthermore, a common behavior that was demonstrated in this TikTok is complaining to children about the things parents do for them. This is absolutely a form of emotional abuse, and again, this one is common. Children did not ask to be born. They did not ask to be put here, and complaining to them about what you do for them when that's your job as a parent is abusive and will only create shame in this child when it comes to his or her needs. If a parent is doing this, this turns into chronic childhood trauma, which can lead to a variety of mental health issues such as complex PTSD, anxiety disorders, depression, and many more. Another example of emotional abuse I have for you guys is invalidating a child's experience. That's a big one. When children come to their parents explaining how they feel or how something happened or just want to share something with them and that parent does not honor the child's feelings or validate it, they are sending a message to the child that their experiences are not real or right or valid, which of course is abuse and a trauma. Again, I just want to re reiterate that this can happen even if your parent does not have malicious intent. More often than not, the parent themselves don't know how to manage emotions, so it's a lot easier for them to basically just invalidate the experience altogether and not deal with the messy feelings. Pete Walker, who has had many clients that suffered from emotional abuse as children, mentioned that being ongoingly assaulted with critical words systematically destroys innate self-esteem and replaces it with a prevailing consciousness of toxic self-criticism. Even worse, words that are emotionally poisoned with contempt, which is basically a deadly cocktail of intimidation and disgust, infuse the child with fear and toxic shame, respectively. Fear and shame condition them to refrain from asking for attention, from expressing themselves in ways that draw attention, and before long, from seeking any kind of help or connection at all. This is so important, this quote, just because it shows how when a, when a parent is criticizing you and you're hearing this really intense critical voice all the time, the child doesn't hate the parent or get mad at the parent. The child actually internalizes that voice and that becomes the voice that's in their head. And that's something I suffer with. I had a very critical parent who, you know, never really gave me praise or support. It was always what I was doing wrong. Well, now I really struggle with self-criticism and everything I do is wrong and I'm the one now doing it. So children internalize how we talk to them. A specific example I also want to include, which I've heard so many people talk about, was parents telling them that they were too sensitive. I can absolutely relate to this one as well. I was consistently shamed and made to feel bad about being a sensitive child. Being sensitive is a gift and that's something I definitely want to share with you guys. It is without a doubt difficult and has its downfalls, but being sensitive is nothing to shame a child about. Sensitive people are the best artists, musicians, etc. And this once again shows how the parent was unable to recognize their child's sensitivity as a positive thing and used it as an insult rather than nurturing and fostering the child's sensitivity. Again, some of these times might have been malicious, parents that are jealous of their child, but then a lot of the time it's the parent doesn't know what to do with the sensitive child. They're trying to, you know, quote, toughen them up, but in reality, it's actually hurting the child. I really think this exemplifies how something as simple as talking to your child with a demeaning tone is abuse, even though it's not seen that way. 
The resulting consequences of doing so deeply impacts how the v- child views themselves, which follows them into adulthood and their adult decisions. I hope that I was able to show how emotional abuse and neglect is absolutely a childhood trauma. I'm going to go back to that definition of trauma once more. Anything that overwhelms the child's nervous system will cause lasting effects into adulthood. A thing people tend to neglect when discussing childhood trauma is that it does not always occur in the home. If you had a relatively good childhood, which is also known as receiving good enough parenting, you could have gotten your physical and emotional needs met. But then what if you were chronically bullied in school? Being physically or verbally threatened by a peer is absolutely enough to overwhelm a child's nervous system. Childhood bullying can even be the cause of adult PTSD and CPTSD. I just want to mention really quick that CPTSD, as I talked about it a little bit earlier, means complex PTSD and not childhood PTSD. I'm going to have a whole separate episode on that. When we are threatened or assaulted, this activates our fight or flight. Fight or flight sends out a cocktail of hormones to try to get us to act for safety. The fight or flight is connected to childhood trauma as when your nervous system is overwhelmed, your fight or flight is activated. If you were repeatedly made fun of, ostracized, beat up, or physically harmed, or even simply made to feel like you are different than everyone else, this could have definitely been a form of childhood trauma and still affect you as an adult. The common misconception is that childhood trauma comes from the home only, and childhood trauma can even occur in a healthy family system. It can happen at school or in other systems outside the home. So my dad, who also experienced a lot of childhood trauma in the home, has mentioned that one of the biggest traumas for him was actually being bullied in school just for being petite. He was often made fun of or even physically assaulted just for being who he was, which was a sensitive, kind of introverted boy with smaller stature. I know I've talked a lot about emotional neglect and abuse, but my reason for that was being, I think it's the form of trauma that gets the least amount of attention when it's really the most common and pervasive form of trauma. I do want to touch on a few of the other forms of childhood trauma. Of course, physical abuse is absolutely going to be a trauma for a child. Your physical safety being taken away and by a parent or caretaker is very overwhelming for a child and their nervous system. Like the other forms of trauma, this will cause lasting effects for the adult child of physical abuse. Sexual abuse as well is without a doubt a form of childhood trauma. Being violated will cause strong fight or flight reactions. And those who have experienced sexual abuse as a child will often end up with PTSD or complex PTSD. There's some more subtle forms of childhood trauma, which are things such as inconsistent home life, for example, moving a lot. So again, that can go back to you have a great, loving, supportive family, but since you were moving around a lot, this disrupted the child's sense of predictability and therefore will overwhelm them. So that's why I want everyone to understand that trauma doesn't mean the worst possible thing you could think of, it can be really subtle and it could have been an accident by your parents. But again, that doesn't mean you don't have one. If you had a parent or a caregiver or any close family member die as a child, this again will be a form of trauma as that's very overwhelming as a child to experience death. Especially if this death was not properly talked about in the family or it was just not, you know, there was no open discussion about the emotions surrounding that death. 
I hope some of these examples were able to help you see how much more complex and subtle childhood trauma really is. And in this episode, I'm really only scratching the surface here. I just wanted to kind of start the discussion about what is considered childhood trauma and make people realize that it needs to be extended so much further than just being physically assaulted as a child. And also, I do want to mention that there might have been a lot more examples or experiences that I did not mention today, and that does not mean that it is not a valid trauma. Childhood trauma can be very dependent on the individual. If it was a painful and overwhelming experience for you as a child, and it's something that still affects you, then it's absolutely a trauma for you. Do not minimize your own trauma or abuse, and don't let anyone else do it either. If what you experienced was hurtful, then it was hurtful. No amount of convincing or telling you otherwise will change that. I just want to remind you guys that your experiences and your traumas are real and they're absolutely valid. Lastly, I just want to talk a little bit about myself. I know in episode zero, I talked about why I wanted to start this podcast, but I really didn't touch on my own mental health and I definitely will be doing that a little bit throughout the series just to kind of connect some of these issues to myself as I can relate. I myself have been diagnosed with complex PTSD, which is a result of chronic emotional abuse, emotional neglect, and verbal abuse as a child. I did live with a narcissistic parent. So feeling safe and mentally stable as an adult is something I definitely struggle with. And I just want to let anyone listening to know that I am always open to talking and I will never invalidate your experiences and I'm always open to listening and supporting you in any way possible and that you are definitely not alone. So many of us have suffered childhood trauma and abuse, and some don't even know it. It wasn't until I was 22, about to leave college, that I really understood what I experienced as a child. And once you really start looking back, everything can start to make a lot more sense. So I hope that I was able to give you a better understanding of how complex and sometimes subtle childhood trauma can be. And just because we've normalized certain behaviors in our society does not mean they are healthy, okay, or normal. The word trauma can come with a lot of connotations that make you think it's some huge or crazy event, when in reality, a lot of the time, it's the simple and everyday experiences we had as children that are our traumas. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. My next episode will be on attachment trauma and attachment issues and its connection to your childhood relationships. So if you struggle with choosing healthy partners, if you're constantly in toxic relationships or you feel really insecure or anxious in your relationships, I'm definitely going to be talking a lot about that next time. So please tune in. If you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Finley, F-I-N-L-E-Y. I do do polls on there about what you guys want to hear on this podcast. And again, I appreciate the support so much. Stay safe.